Good morning. So I have my morning voice because this is the day, the morning after Christmas. And I was, I would say, I guess, inspired to get up and make a podcast. And this, when I make podcasts, they typically happen when I'm inspired. I don't have schedules on them. It just is something that weighs on my mind and then I speak about it. And so before making this, I did pray to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that whatever I say during this podcast, that it come from them and it and it be truth and it's not just my words and my opinions and my thoughts. There will be thoughts of mine in it, but I want the truth from God and I don't want to speak it unless it is truth. And that's how I started before I started recording. Because I think that, well, yesterday when I posted a Christmas message, it was it was all about Jesus and it was all about the gift that Jesus gave us and the reason that we celebrate the birth of Jesus during Christmas. There is, if you start getting into it, there is debate on whether Jesus was actually born in December. And there's some evidence that seems, and I kind of tend to believe, Jesus may have and probably was born in September, but that's not what was taught. And Christmas did become a holiday. It kind of intertwined with pagan holidays that were celebrating the winter season and so there's you know there there is some uh you can see it really clearly uh and that's I guess what I'm saying is that you can see it really clearly when you start to understand that we are under in this world we are under spiritual forces the as Paul writes in the Bible in the Old Testament he writes that, you know, it's the principalities and uh, spiritual realms, the things that we don't see that are actually affecting our world. I never understood that before, but after reading the Bible, I understand it. And my eyes were opened because I can clearly see it in our world. Everything that is from God is good and what is in the world right now is corrupted and it is corrupted by evil and so therefore everything that's evil wants to corrupt the goodness of God and this is the battle that we're just plopped into and we don't even know it's there's some point in our life where our eyes will be opened but it doesn't happen at the same time for everyone and God has his way of opening your eyes to it and what my experience was is not going to be the same as someone else's and I think that's probably because God created each of us as an individual and he we had certain um, uniqueness about us we all are are different and God knows how to reach each and every one of us. And what somebody tells you is their experience is probably not going to be yours, although it could be. But 
there's going to be something different about it. It's a personal thing. God created you. God knows how you work. And God is going to reach you in a way that you can't plan ahead. It's just going to happen. And that, I can say, is what happened to me. And I can tell you that I am seeing changes in myself that there's no way that I would have done it. Or I, I just, I honestly wasn't interested in it. And, and it wasn't until I became interested in it that I started seeing things happen and things that I never thought I could do that I could. And it just, I can't even explain, but if you knew me before I received the Spirit from God, you would see a difference because, and it's not something that all of a sudden somebody is more holier than another. I mean, that you start to become, start cha- start to change, but what people will notice, they're not going to notice the good things about you. They're going to notice this person got weird. They all of a sudden became a Jesus freak. That's what they're going to notice about you. And that's not a compliment to the, you know, based on the world's um, view of people. That's not a compliment. So when I say change and people start seeing this in you, that's the change they're going to start seeing in you is because, and I've seen it in other people. I saw it in other people before it ever happened to me. And I was on the the other side. I was looking at those people thinking, wow, okay, they're a little extreme. There's, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like uh, speaking badly of them, but I thought they were just different. And, um, that not, that wasn't necessarily a compliment from my worldly view of everything. And so I can only talk about this because I was on the other side of it all. And I changed and I changed when I was truly seeking God. And, and honestly, more so when I started to see the change is when I, in my intentions, decided that I wanted to become obedient. Because it's very clear when you start reading the Bible that God's laws will become evident to you. And that's something that through the Bible, it's the Holy Spirit convicting you, Um, not condemning you, but convicting you, letting you know, okay, what you're doing right now, that's not what God intends. And that's the, the, as you read the Bible, as you read scripture, that will become evident to you. And, and that's when I started questioning a bunch of things that I had known or just my own thoughts. Like all of a sudden I, I do what a lot of people do is you make up a God in your mind. You make up a God that is loving, tender, and is okay with you because you're mostly good. You may do a little few things, but you're, quote, a good person. And that's what a lot of us tend to think is that, well, I'm mostly good, and I'm. you compare yourself to somebody else that, in your worldly sense, you think is worse than you. But in reality, you're just as bad as that person that you think is worse than you because you're a sinner, and they're a sinner, and their sin is a little different than yours, but your sin still separates you from God like their sin separates them from God. So we're all 
in the world from the day of our birth, we are all sinners. We may do different sins, but we're all separating ourselves from God when we sin. So when in our hearts we find that we want to reconcile ourselves with God, and this isn't like something that I was taught growing up where every single time, okay, I'm sorry for that, God, I'll try to do better next time. It's not one of those kinds of thoughts. It's one of those thoughts with God that you're like, God, I, my eyes are opened. I see what this world is all about. And it's from God that he allows you to see what it's all about. And it's from scripture, through scripture, through you know, studying it. I mean, clearly studying it, not memorizing lines, knowing it, not memorizing, knowing it, like studying it. Like there's a way that you can, when you are in school, there's a way that you can test and you can ace a test. You can get all A's. You can get 100% correct because you can study and you can memorize. But give yourself a few days, a week, a month, a year later, and the content that you completely had corrected, you could actually have 100% right, but during that next time period, you could not know something that you knew on that test that you got it right, and that's memorization. That's not knowing the information that is memorizing the information and reciting the information. And there is a difference between knowing, learning, studying, and being able to pass a test because you can quote things from your memory. So there's a huge difference. And I had the memory part of faith, but I didn't have the knowing part of faith. And it wasn't until recently that that became, that came into my life. And there is a difference, and that's what I'm saying. When that happens to you, and I didn't know there was a difference going into it, it just happened, so I'm speaking from experience, not from what I was told about this. So getting back, it's it's all about when I started thinking about Christmas and my Christmas wishes. If you look again about this war that's going on, think about what the world wants you to do. The world wants you to say, happy holidays. The world doesn't want you to say, Merry Christmas, because in Merry Christmas, you're talking about Christ. And the world doesn't want you, they put it in a way that is, so it won't offend other people. And so that sounds good. So I conformed with the world for a period in my life, and I just said, happy holidays. I didn't want to offend anyone else, because... I'm not there to try to be mean to anybody. I want to wish them good things. And so then I changed what I was saying to people until I realized, wait a minute, this is not, don't start playing with my mind and putting rules on what my intentions are to make me conform and to say a certain thing because it might offend somebody. It's not offensive to somebody. If somebody from a different religion said something kind to me that was relevant to their religion and giving me wishes, that's sweet. I appreciate that. And because they believe differently than me, that's they were doing something out of kindness. And that's where I say about Merry Christmas, 
It's something kind to everyone. It's something good that's going to everyone. It's not meant to be an offense to anyone. It it should never be taken that way. And if people need to clarify that with others, then we should clarify that with others. That it isn't. We're not being offensive in saying that. But we're not going to conform to what the world is telling us because that is not the truth. So it comes down to truth. And this is something that became clear to me in a post that I did about Christmas and the importance of receiving God's spirit. This came out when I was looking for, um, looking in scripture for verses about Jesus and why Jesus is a gift and why Christmas is special for us, despite what day it actually is, but the event of Jesus coming to earth and why he came. He came to save sinners, and we are all sinners. We just do different sins. So Jesus came for every single one of us. That is universal. That is something from God, a gift to everyone, and it's a gift. Because we are human beings, we're not going to be perfect. So we're going to continue to sin, more so by accident or when the things that are inside of us come out we have these desires still we are not perfected yet and it is through God's spirit that we can overcome those desires that are contrary to God's word God's teaching God's commands through the spirit the spirit is what helps us overcome those things that are not in accordance with God's commands and so we we all need God's spirit And a lot of us don't even know that God's Spirit exists. For example, in the Bible, there were people that were getting baptized. And people that got baptized, like John the Baptist, was baptizing people. And the people were being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. Or because they came to repentance, because they decided they wanted to live life differently. And they were giving up their former ways of living and doing a new way of living that was in alignment with what God's commands were. So so John the Baptist had the baptism. Well, the, the disciples found a group of people who did not have the Holy Spirit, but they were baptized and they thought they got the Spirit when, or I don't even know if they knew they got the Spirit, but they ex- they never heard of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit, uh, from what I can tell from the Bible, is the Holy Spirit really didn't come until Jesus went away and told his disciples, his followers, to wait for the Spirit because he was going to send an advocate from the Father who would be with them forever and reside with them, and that is the spirit of truth forever. Now, I recalled that, and I don't always memorize scripture, but I remember the content of it, the context of it, and what it means. And so that's what I mean about studying. You, I could memorize the words and not know what those words meant, but it's the comprehension of the words. And I just noticed something yesterday for the first time, and it could have been the version of the Bible that I was reading, but it said, 
the spirit of truth. And when Jesus said he would send the advocate to his disciples, to his followers, to stay with them forever, I remembered that it was the spirit, and we all need the spirit, and it was the, the same spirit that raised Jesus is going to be the same spirit that will raise us when Jesus returns. So that's why we need a spirit. If we want to live in eternity with God, we need God's spirit. And Jesus even confirmed that with one of the um, the Nicodemus who was, um, you know, way back in time, um, he was asking him, and Jesus said that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you were born again, born of the water and of the spirit. Well, my understanding is that the water is the water of repentance that John the Baptist was offering to people to change, to repent of your sins, to want to not sin, and to ask God to help you to not sin. But the other baptism is the baptism of the Spirit. And that's the Spirit that is, as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the one who asks the Father for the Spirit and provides that to each and every one who has the true intention of wanting God's Spirit. And God knows your heart. He's not going to give it to someone who is going to do something inappropriate with it. There is an example of that in the Bible, too. There was a man, I think his name was Simon or Simeon, I don't know how it was pronounced, but he was following around the disciples. This is in the book of Acts. And he started seeing all of these miraculous things that the disciples and the followers of Jesus were able to do. I mean, they were healing people. They were doing the things that Jesus said. In fact, Jesus said, you will do things greater than I have. So there's going to be things that Jesus did and the the miracles that are described in the Bible that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. They, the people who wrote about them said, we couldn't even like put everything that he did into the Bible. This is only an example of what he did. He did so many. If, if we wrote down every single thing he did, there would be books and books and books of all the miracles that occurred. So getting back to the spirit, God told his, Jesus, I'm referring to Jesus told his followers that God would send the spirit to God. The father would send the spirit to them to be with them forever. And it was called the spirit of truth. Like I said, in the version that I was reading and the spirit of truth stood out to me because I know what the spirit is and I know what the spirit will do later on in life in future will allow us to have immortal bodies and to live in eternity with God. So I know all of that, but it was called the spirit of truth. And that stood out to me yesterday. And, and I thought, wow, so the spirit of truth, and, and I just this morning, it was still on my mind. And those kinds of things tend to happen to me. And I kind of believe from experience over the last probably year, two years now, that those things are maybe nudgings, maybe um, inspirations from the Spirit, or when the Spirit is giving you more understanding of something that you've maybe read, passed over so many other times before, but all of a sudden it stands out. And 
the spirit of truth. So I started thinking about the spirit of truth. What does that mean? Truth. Well, that is exactly what we need right now. We need in our world because in our world, truth is getting distorted. And the only truth there is, is found through God's word and through scripture. And so we now more than ever need to get studying the Bible. And it's kind of scary to say, you know, find a church because more and more I'm seeing churches that are only giving you partial truth. They're giving you the truth that, and this is another sign of the end times, they're giving you the truth that sounds good to your ears. They're making it all about love and all about grace. But there is no message of repentance among these churches. Some, and I can't say like which ones because boy, you can just, I mean, I listen online to a lot of different churches or find some, come across some or different people and I listen to their messages and sometimes their messages are, I can tell they're spirit filled, that they are truth and other times they cause me to question, is that really truth? And I reflect on the Bible, and, and here's where the deception is really strong. The truth is there, because it does match up with the Bible. But if you are not familiar with the Bible, from the front cover to the back cover, you may not be getting the full message. And if you keep getting the same message, and you never get a message of repentance, repentance is what Jesus spoke From the time that he started preaching, he started preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And it was his message was about repentance. Yes, God forgives. So that's that's another aspect of repentance. But you have to repent before you get forgiven. You don't just get forgiven because Jesus died. Sometimes I think people might draw that conclusion the way that certain Um, pastors might say it. They might say, your sins are forgiven. Well, your sins are forgiven, so you don't need to do anything more about it. Well, that's kind of a message I hear, and I'm like, yeah, that's not quite the way it's in the Bible. There's There's a clear message of repentance, and that's something that a lot of people will push back against, too, because you don't want, I mean, that's the uncomfortable part of deciding to follow Jesus. Well, why do you think he said, you're going to have to take up your own cross? Yeah, you're going to have to willingly decide that you don't want to do some sinful things that might be a little fun for you. Uh, I had the same thing. And that's what I want to get back to about the Spirit. So I surrendered my life to Jesus in 2017. And when I did that, it was, I was by myself with, with the group of people, but I was not with friends or anything. And I was at church and I was given the opportunity. And this, if there's a pastor that happens to listen to this, here's one thing I want to say to you. Make the opportunity available to your group, your congregation, the the gathering of people that you have in front of you at every single service because you don't know when somebody's going to be ready to surrender their life to Jesus. This happened to me in 2017. I didn't know 
really what I was doing or what I was supposed to do or anything. All I did was I willingly wanted Jesus to change my life, but I was a little selfish at that. At that point, I wanted my life to be better. That's what I was seeking. It was self-centered. And it, and it didn't like all of this didn't get clear to me till later, but that's what happened. But Jesus started working in me. And I, in hindsight now, I can look back and I can see that was happening in 2017. But I was still hanging on to stuff. I was still doing things that, some things that I just hadn't come across yet in the Bible. And, but I just had certain opinions about it because of things I had been taught or things I had been heard, but I never saw it in the Bible. So I was like, ah, man-made rules, you know, like, I don't know that I believe all that stuff because we all when we're not connected to the Bible, when we're not connected to Scripture, we all make up our own rules about what we think God thinks. We're not God. We don't make that up. It's in the Bible. What does God really say? And so I had certain things in my life that, you know, really, they weren't hurting anybody else, but they were against what God commanded. But I, you know, it didn't bother me. And I didn't bother anybody else, so I didn't really necessarily think that was a big deal until I read the Bible. And so I just continued to live my life the way I lived it. I was not fully surrendered. Looking in hindsight, I wasn't fully surrendered. My intentions were there, and I think God started working with me because things started happening after that. Um, and not necessarily good things, like bad things started happening. And But every time something bad happened to me, I would draw closer to God. I would pray more about it. I would seek scripture. I would try to understand why. And I would get answers through scripture, literally. Like I one, there were several times where I, in prayer, called out to God and said, I don't understand this. Please explain this to me. And I would have my Bible closed, and then I would open it to a page, and I would read scripture. And if you want to call it a coincidence, but it's happened too many times, it's not a coincidence. What I was praying about was answered by the scripture that I read. And and if it wasn't clear to me, I would ask again, show me something else. And I did this with prayer, and my questions were answered like that. And I don't know that God works that way with everyone. That works for me. That's something that happens. So um, anyway, not to get down that subject too far, but, but honestly, you need a Bible. You need to know what is in Scripture. You can't rely on others telling you what's in scripture because they might just not be very good at it or they could not want to talk about things that might turn you away or not keep you there or not keep you coming back. Um, Those are all human things. Like when you start as a human being worrying about how others perceive what you're saying and worrying, well, you don't want to offend somebody. You want somebody to come back. You want something good to happen. You start doing all that stuff, but you could be defeating the purpose that you originally intended because the purpose in talking about Jesus 
is to bring other people into eternity with God to let them experience what God has planned. God has planned something incredible for all of us, all who will accept the message of Jesus, the message that Jesus gave while he was here on earth. And that is the ultimate goal. It's not to convert somebody to a religion. Jesus did not really support religions. He didn't like all the traditions. He didn't like, he felt like people were blinded because you start doing these things, they become rote, they become tradition, they become just, we do it over and over and over and over and over again. Why do we do that? Did anybody ever think about that? Why do we do that? If you don't know why something is done a certain way, it's become a a mindless tradition that you're doing, and it has lost all meaning. So you should know why you're doing what you're doing. You start, you need to like know what's in the Bible because there's a lot of man-made things in a church that happen that are not in the Bible, that are not commanded by God. So the, the most that you need in your life is a personal prayer relationship with God and scripture and you know first and foremost God because um, scripture now scripture probably could be altered at some point um, but there's so many copies out there right now you can um, you can cross check a lot of different things so um, the word has come through there is something in the Bible that if anyone takes away or adds to something that's in the Bible, the curses will be on them. So I don't think anyone who understands the Bible would ever intentionally try to do that because if they do, their fate is sealed because it says it in the Bible. They will be cursed. They will be destroyed for doing something like that. But as for now, I trust what's in the Bible at this moment and I also rely on God and I ask God for truth. That's, again, the spirit of truth. You want the spirit of truth. So today we have so many deceiving spirits that are out there manifesting in people and it is a spiritual world. We are affected. If you go back to the book of Daniel, which is a prophet and had very various visions and um, information that was provided to him back in the Old Testament. And if you go back, there's a point where Daniel was praying to God and the messenger who was an angel who came to Daniel told Daniel that he had tried from the day his prayer rent went out and there was a sincerity in his heart. He had been on his way to give Daniel this message, but he was stopped because of, I believe it was the Prince of Persia. And in the spiritual realm, apparently there are spiritual entities that have governance over certain, I don't know, countries in the world, maybe. It, it appears to me as that's the case, is that there are certain 
rulers, spiritual rulers who were, who were given territories to oversee is the conclusion that I came from through the Bible, through reading it. And I may not be right on that, but it, it does seem like that's the case. And so there are these spiritual forces that are actually influencing the people that are under their control. That's why you need the Spirit of God with you. Because if not, you could easily be influenced by a spirit that is not from God. And there are good and there are bad angels. And the angels are messengers and they aren't ever described with wings. They are described as actually like we wouldn't even know if we saw an angel. We might think it was another person that we saw, but it was in fact an angel. It could be. And that's in the Bible. Like these people, they don't necessarily distinguish between people and angels. Like if you go back to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, there were angels that came to see if Sodom and Gomorrah was as bad as what the prayers that were going to God were saying about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And when they were there, the the people that were there thought they were people, but they were angels that were there. And they were going to um, Abraham's, I believe it was, um, his descendant, Lot, and his wife and his family. So they went to him because of Abraham's prayers and Abraham's prayers for saving Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities. He didn't want it to be destroyed because he knew his nephew Lot was there. And so God sent angels to see if it was as bad as what people were praying about. And But the people of Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities just thought that they were men that came. They didn't think they were angels. They didn't realize they were angels. And so an angel can be good or can be bad. And that's why your prayer life with God is so important. There are so many different ways that you can be deceived. And you do need God's spirit, the spirit of truth. And that's what Jesus said he would give to you when he departed When he left his disciples, he said, I will send, I will ask the Father, and the Father will send the Spirit of Truth. We need the Spirit of Truth today because here's an example. So this came to mind this morning, a circle and a square. Most of us understand and know from school, from whatever, we learn that's a very basic shape. A square has four sides and a circle has no sides, but In today's world, what if you were in an area separated from the rest of the world or manipulated into your thinking to where all of a sudden you were taught that the circle was the square and the square was the circle. So you have a vision of what those things are in truth right now speaking But what if you were in a place and some place decided they were going to teach you the opposite of that? Well, that's an example, a symbolic example of what is happening in our world today. The Bible has the truth. And the world today is making circles into squares and squares into circles of many of the elements, the truths that are in the Bible 
But here's the fact. There is only one truth. And that goes for, unfortunately, this will probably be something that people will be mad at me for saying. There's only one truth. There's only one true God. And that causes wars between people because people think that let people believe whatever God they want to believe in. And that that's true. That's true too. We all have that freedom of will. There is no, you must conform to the God that I believe in. There's none of that and there never should be. People have free will. God the creator, the true God, made people with free will so they could choose what they want to believe. So that is not any Christian's purpose, any follower of Christ. You do not tell somebody you have to believe what I believe. That is wrong. God didn't even do that. And that is not our purpose. But from a Christian's perspective, our purpose is to share the truth. So there is only one God. There is only one way to to be immortal, to live with God in eternity. And that is through Jesus. Because of what Jesus did when he was here, that is the only reason, the only way that we will get to heaven. Not heaven. I don't even want to say heaven. That was like a There are realms of heavens. There are plural heavens, according to the Bible. So that was just like slipped out. But God's kingdom is coming to earth. First, Jesus is going to reign on earth for a thousand years. That's coming up. But after that, and that's God's, the way, my opinion of that, that's God's another way that he is patiently trying to gain many people to his kingdom. To his kingdom for his enjoyment, for his friendship, for his relationship with us. God just loves us. That's the bottom line. God loves us. God wants us in eternity with him. But he's not going to force us to do that. That's our decision. And that is what I'm trying to communicate is that there is only one truth. There is only one God, the creator, and that God wants us to be with him. And that's your choice, whether or not you want to be with God, but that is what Jesus made possible. As Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. The spirit of truth is something that we need. The spirit is what raised Jesus from dead and what will raise us and provide us with immortal supernatural bodies to be able to live with God in eternity forever. Our bodies will be perfected. Our soul, our spirit, our nature will be, we will become perfect people at that point but not until then, not until Jesus returns. And that's why so many Christians are awaiting his return because that is going to be an immensely celebratory time for Christians. For those who reject Jesus, it's going to be time of fear, great fear. And 
it's going to be a time of wrath and some horrible things that are going to happen. But again, it's, it's just God is giving us all these opportunities. And again, like I was saying about the thousand years that Jesus will reign, that's another period of time before the new heaven and the new earth come down from something that God has prepared, that God has planned, that's going to be different than what we have today here on the earth. This earth here is going to be gone someday. I believe it's after those thousands year, thousands of years have the thousand years that Jesus reigns. That's when I believe the earth is completely gone. But I could, I don't know, because it sounds like I, there's a debate about that. I'm not sure when the new heaven and new earth come. Um, but in the new heaven and new earth, there is nothing unclean, unperfect in it. That's why I think that happens after the thousands year, thousand years that Jesus reigns, because at the end of those thousand years, there's a, a war where people still turn away from Jesus. And, and so those people will not be in God's new heaven and earth that will be coming down from above. So that's why I think it's a transitional period. But we've had thousands of years from creation and from and since Jesus was crucified and um, you know thousands of years have occurred and that's what creates a lot of um, generations saying oh it's never going to happen because it's been thousands of years but if you look at the Bible God is patient he doesn't want people he wants more people he created everybody he doesn't want to have them reject him and be destroyed in the future um it's all about him wanting a relationship with us and he will allow that to happen at anybody at any condition no matter what you've done when your hearts turn to him when you turn to him first in surrendering to him because you're not going to be perfect and when you surrender to Jesus and you invite Jesus to start the spirit you invite those changes in your life you may not feel like you're possible it's possible to do changes in you because you've been a certain way your whole life but it is possible with God all things are possible the impossible is possible with God it's just a matter of you me inviting God to do that work within us and that's what Paul also talks about it's not what we do. It's not our good works that save us because that would make us boastful of ourselves. It would make us self-centered. Everything about God is selfless. It's thinking of ourselves less. It's thinking of him first and then everything else in our life starts to change. And you will see changes in people when God's spirit is working within them. That's all I can say is that I don't know the details of that, but outside people, people who have known a person all their life are going to see differences. I remember seeing other people who went through that change before me and I wondered, gosh, what happened? They're so different. And now I know because it started to happen in me too. And I'm seeing changes in my life that I don't set out to do and maybe some of them I didn't really even want to do but I felt compelled to and that's what happens and it 
it's a willingness and an openness to receiving God's spirit. But I can tell you, you want God's spirit. And whatever you're hanging on to, if you're still hanging on to something you don't want to give up, it'll be worth it when you let go of that and when you fully surrender to Jesus and you allow Jesus, you give him permission to let the Holy Spirit start working in your life and start making changes that you know you you aren't capable of. You aren't capable of doing it. But believe me, you are capable with God's spirit. Apart from God, you can do nothing. With God, you can do anything. So on this day after Christmas, think about that great gift that God gave all mankind, his son Jesus, that made it possible for us to be with God in eternity and to have this incredible future that awaits us. It's all possible because of Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's what it means to you. Merry Christmas, a day later.